listening to Chill Time with Will Moore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Y'all know who it is. This is William Moore, and this is the host of Chill Time is Will Time. Glad to be back with you guys once again. I know from time to time I take a little hiatus. It's not because I don't love you, because I'm busy taking care of business. But uh, as always, I always come back to the mic. I always come back to the mic with either a dope topic or a cool new guest. And today I have just that. I got another guest on that I'm gonna. I'm gonna allow him to uh, introduce himself. But um, he's somebody that I thought would be pretty cool to have on the on the podcast. Um, we've kind of engaged in a little small talk from here and like here and there, and just randomly, just this past week, I thought, you know what, it'd be kind of cool to have this cat on. He's got a he's got a nice little thought process. Says some cool things, and so bring something bring something different. You know what I mean to the podcast. Um, you guys know I always try to bring different people from all walks of life, different professions, different mindsets, thought processes, and it's all about learning when you're on here, uh, you know, with, on Chill Time as Will Time, when you listen to the show, you know, it's all about learning about a new, new anything, expanding your mind, meeting new people from across the world and across the country. So with that, without further ado, go ahead and introduce yourself, boss. Hey, who's going on, guys? My name is Jeff Awesome, and... Prior, to, excuse me, I did 12 years in the United States Marine Corps, two tours of Afghanistan, OEF-1 and OEF-2, and now, I guess you can say I'm an up-and-comer in the adult film industry. Ooh. That's what's up, man. So, t- so give us a little bit more background into uh, into your life in the in the, in the armed forces, man. What you know? What was your uh, what was your mo- what was your mode of thinking? I guess when you joined that, I know people join the military for mil- many different reasons, and you know both of uh, my family has you know had a lot of people serve, both my parents and such. Uh, what was your what was your motivation behind joining? Uh, I joined fresh out of high school back in two thousand six, and during this time it was during the President Bush administration, and uh, we were still heavily into war overseas and uh, you know, in that time frame people are like, What are you crazy? You wanna join and you know, we're, we're constantly in war but you know, that's that's the idea of the armed forces. It's at some point in time you're gonna be called to defend this country against enemies both foreign and domestic and during that time it just happened to be a foreign enemy. Um I had joined the Marines due to a challenge, man. It was something as simple as this. I was, you know, walking around school and you know, during my high school time, I had an internship at a news station, and everyone just thought once I got out of high school, I was going to go straight to college and go for a degree in communications or journalism. And the Marine recruiter, who was a a graduate from my high school about like 10 years beforehand, plus years beforehand, he had just said something simple. Hey, if it's a challenge, and if you can't handle the challenge, you know, I ain't got time to talk to you. Uh-huh. And I was 18 years old, like, what? Did he call me out? So he no, he no, basically no, so, so he basically he appealed to your pride. <laughs> yeah, he basically appealed to your pride. Then is what he did. He did, and you know what? And he, he, he would see us every day, and you know, certain Antoine, you know, we would call him Gus, and it was just he 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 would come and chill with the high school students because he was from that neighborhood. He was from that high school, so he knew how to pontificate. He knew how to reach some people, and then with me. You know, I wasn't, I was never the biggest guy, I was never the tallest guy, and, you know, so when he said, you ain't got no heart, if you're afraid of a challenge, you know, I ain't got nothing for you. And then, when you tell that <laughs> to an 18-year-old kid, you know, like, what the hell did you say? Right. And then I was kind of like the prep guy going to school, so 
something about the hood, so it's like, oh hell no. I'm not about to let this, you know, he, I gotta prove. <laughs> so yeah. I can dig it. So that's some. So so let's back up a little bit because that's something I didn't know about you. You mentioned journalism. You were into journalism. So what, like, how early did you? Yeah, how early did you become interested in that? Because that's not you. Typically, when you talk to, you know, youth of any age, really journalism, and you ask them like, you know, hey, what do you want? What are you interested in? Or what do you want to be when you grow up? Or whatever. Journalism isn't really one of those things that really pops into. Well, did you really hear a young kid or a teenager really talk about? So, t- t- you know, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I'm not, I, I, well, first of all, I'll tell my age, I'm, I'm 31 years old. So, uh, back in the day, I used to stay up late and so to speak and watch the Arsenio Hall show. And from that That's a classic. Kid, I had this obsession with, you know, guys like Arsenio Hall and Johnny Carson and so forth. And I want to do what they do. And I thought they just went to school, you know, or they, you know, had a job where they dress up in suits and told jokes at night and talk to people. Uh, but as I got older, I realized, you know, that wasn't it. It was like a communication degree. They just so happened to be funny people. Uh, prime example, people may not know this, but I believe it's Colin O'Brien has a degree from Harvard in communications. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. And then, and so even then, still today, even though that's not the line of work you in today, do you still kind of, do you still kind of have any type of a, a passion or direction to kind of enter into anything like that? Well, here's another shocker. I'm currently in school for graphic arts with a focus on media communications. Oh, you know what? I wouldn't call that a shocker because from from the bit that I know about you, you're like, even though I didn't know about the journalism part, you're pretty, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're into a lot of different type of things. So, you know what I mean? Like, the more I, I feel like the more I get to know you or whatnot, I'm like, all right, that kind of, I might not have known it at, at, from the jump, but I'm like, okay, that makes a little sense. Because you definitely come across as a, as, as a more well-rounded cat. You got to be in this day and age, man. And I've always told, you know, people all the time, and I probably said it one of my morning motivational quotes that being one-dimensional, being stagnant can be detrimental to someone's personal life or their career. That's the one thing you don't want to be is stagnant or complacent. You know, just settling is not going to get you anywhere in this day and age. No, you... And with literally, you know, success could be at anyone's fingertips just by... So doing something that we do every day, you and I are conversing right now, something people do on a daily basis, something that they communicate. By the fact of it, you know, if a 10-year-old kid can hold his cell phone up, look into the camera and start talking, conversing, going back and forth with probably absolutely nobody but himself or hundreds of thousands of people and overnight it's like, hey, this kid or this guy's got something. Okay, what else you got? You know, let's try a little bit harder. Let's do this, let's do that. It's, it, this is by far... And I don't know what it is. Is it, you know, this generation is their work ethic is not there or they're afraid of rejection because you are going to get told no a lot more than you're going to get told yes. I guarantee you. You know what? You know what? <laughs> I would say, so in, in terms of this generation, I look at it in several different ways. So, so, so A, I think what you were saying too, like some of it about, you know, lack of work ethic, work ethic and motivation and fear but two i came to a realization a little while back because i was one of those folks used to always kind of say um make comments 
about how youth these days just how they don't seem to get it how the world that they grow up in is starkly different from ours and their expectations and sense of entitlement is completely different from ours but you know what what i came to the realization of kids do what they kids do what they see they do what they learn so at some so so to a point i'm not saying individually but as a society part of that is our fault because we set the table for them to be like that you know what i'm saying there was something that we either did or didn't do or things that we set back and allow that we allowed as far as the, the direction the society kind of went where we kind of set the playground or we set the ground and, and fertilized or, or cultivated those type of attitudes within them and so i think it, it goes back to if we want to see it if we want to see a change and be different as a society we have to move and be different you dig what i'm saying Oh, most definitely. I wholeheartedly agree. And again, I'm not in my fifties or sixties. You know, I'm thirty-one years old. Yeah, for sure. So for I'm sure. Not that much, excuse me. I said, I said, oh yeah, for sure. So I'm not that that old, but there's a distinct difference in how things, you know, are going now with the average, you know, nineteen, eighteen to twenty-five year old when it was when I was eighteen, twenty-five. Very distinct difference. But I can totally agree with you with that. Yeah, we set that table. You know, people that are older or whatnot, they, they set that table for things to be the way they are now. Yep. And things I have become too accessible. Things have become a little bit too easy. I mean, I remember at one point I was a substitute school teacher at an alternative school. Uh, for where the kids that were suspended out of one school, so instead of kicking them out of the school system the entire year, they put them all in another. Yeah. And I sat there and I I, I, will, I will listen and watch some of these kids and they're not dumb. I didn't mean. No, not at all. Right, right, you for know, sure. And you know, I, I hate to say, for some reason, some of the best, the bunch were my my were my female students, and they had the classroom separate. Like one hour, I would have a classroom full of teenage boys, and the next hour, I would have a classroom full of teenage girls, and then you know, the next hour, maybe another set of teenage girls, and so forth. And it was, I got a chance to watch how each group, you know, how they their thought process, how they interact with one another, or uh, how they interact in the classroom. Very distinct difference. Um, the girls, they were, oh, Mr. So-and-so, yeah, you know, how's this, how is that? Oh, my gosh, I don't know you got kids. Can I, I'm trying to earn some extra money. Can I pay for the kids? I'm like, no, you cannot. Uh, <laughs> the boys were called, you know, the boys would call me coach. And then when the boys would find out that I didn't have a reason, one of them, so I found out that I bounced, I was a bounce at a strip club, and when a teenage boy hears that, oh, you got his attention. So, you know, I had to, to find a way to interact with each group. So to speak, and one kid stuck out, sticks out my mind. He was a straight A suit student, Middle Eastern, the only straight A student there, and only Middle Eastern kid there too. And I was looking at his father. I said, "Hey man, how the hell did you end up here?" And this kid told me this, and I quote, "Man, coach, they set me up. They found my skill in my locker, and the only thing I wanted to make sure is that dude didn't cheat on my dime bag this time." <laughs> and I don't even smoke, but I had a look of shock on my face. I said, so you need to tell me, I said, these cell phones do everything for you. You couldn't download an app, so you bought a scale to school. And he had like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that, coach. I was like, you see, Lord have mercy. That's what we're dealing with, Again, man. I'm not condoning that. I'm not condoning that to your audience, but I mean, goddamn. So I know you got to do his thing. Hey, I always say, each one teach one, man. Each one teach one. <laughs> You know what I mean? Things that they, it, it, like I said, I, you know, in, in regards to what you were saying earlier, you're like, you know, 
It's not like I'm in my 50s. You're like, you know, I'm just 31. But you know what? Because of technology and advance, advancements and stuff like that, um, an era, an era is a lot different than it was years ago. Years ago, an era yeah. might be 20, 30 years. Now, a difference in an era, you know, the difference, the, the, the only time difference between us sounding like our grandparents when we're talking about somebody, somebody younger could be five to six years, man. That's all it can, it's all it can take. I'm going to tell you this. And I told you I used to work in strip clubs, right? Yeah. I was an MC or a DJ for one night in one of these strip clubs. Customer comes up and says, man, I'm from Texas. I want to hear something old school. All right. And he took me. I said, okay, I got you. So when he told me that, the first thing I went to was UGK. Oh, yeah. Turns to this young lady. Oh, yeah. Next on stage. She's on my lap. So what? I said, oh, yeah, UGK has classics, Bum B, Pimp C. Everybody know what that exactly. was. Well, most people in our era know who that is. Exactly. And this young lady was going to be my last dance on stage, man. And um, I told her what was going on. I said, look, he's already took me, so here's what we're about to do. She says, I can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean? You're the last one who's on stage. I can't dance to UGK because I never heard of them. I don't know who they are. <laughs> I said, what? I said, we're in deep southwest Louisiana. What do you mean? She said, I never heard of you. You can't. I don't know who they are, so I can't dance to them. I said, look, take my cell phone. I pulled up a, a random song to them. I think it was Tell Me Something Good. Or, uh, yeah, I think it was Tell Me Something Good. A pocket full of stones, one of them. And I said, Whoop. go in the back room and listen to that for like two minutes or uh, even 30 seconds come back. She does it. She says, I can't. I can't get with that. I don't know. This is my first time hearing them. I don't know who they are. There and I'm not going on stage, so I said, you're telling me you're not going on stage after he's tipped me to play some songs, and this can be your night. He's going to tip you. I said, you make your money at the end of the night. You're the main event right now. I can't do it. I don't know who they are. I said, you know what, fine, sweetheart. But one of my other dancers, who was my soldier, she was my trooper, she's like, I don't care what you play. Just play it. I'm going to make money. I put this uh, song on. I think it was Tell Me Something Good and Pocket Full of Stones, and then I went to... Uh, I think I ended up with, uh, was it Mike Jones and Thugs? I, I think so. It was Texas. It, that last set was Texas for him, for that particular customer. Uh, and she made some money, but just like that, you know, even I knew who UGK was, and they're older than I have. They've been around older than I have. But it's that, 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 that like you said, an era, that small margin. You know, <laughs> you got the internet, you got YouTube, you got Google, all this. And UGK, a bum being to some degree, is still relevant. He can get on the track right now, and it'll probably be hot. Dude, he just dropped the album like two week, two three weeks ago. That was dope. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's crazy, you see man. What I'm saying like he is not just some feature that was on the Drake and Lil Wayne song. No, Bun D was been around for a while. Man, I, it almost feels like you know, in a way, like we talk about this, like we we just dating ourselves. <laughs> Yo. Dude, you me tell you something super funny about Black Planet. So, 
I got introduced to Black Planet when I was in co- my freshman year of college. I played football in college. And so, uh, all the dudes, are, I'm like the little, you know what I'm saying? I'm just the athlete and the bookworm, right? I ain't really out meeting people, or meeting women or nothing like that. I'm just going to practice, going to class, doing homework. But all the dudes, all the dudes on my floor would always have all these girls coming by. And I'm like, dude, where y'all meeting all these women at? Where y'all meeting all these girls at? It's talking about Black Planet. Now, here's the funny part about it. Here's the kicker. All the women they was bringing in were white. I looked on that website. All the <laughs> for a dating website called Black Planet. All the women on there were white. I thought that was ironic and hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I can believe that. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely hilarious, dude. Man. So, I can definitely believe that. So, I'll move the conversation forward a little bit. Um, and just, uh, so let's get about, let's, let's talk about man, what you currently do. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like how, what drew you into it? Like how'd you even get into that line of work? Well, for starters, I guess everyone, every little special teenage boys have seen a dirty magazine that pops the uncle, you know, that their friend's dad may have had and then it moves on to the magazine. So you start seeing, you know, X-rated porno videos, you know, and you start seeing some of the girls and I'm like, God, my gosh, she's so beautiful. Oh my gosh, she does this. Oh my gosh, she does that. And then in your mind, you think at some point in time, I want to do something like this. You know, at some point in time, I want to get a girl like this. Or some, I want this at least once. And, you know, the idea sits in the back of your mind. You know, it, it, it's a seed that's planted. And then as you get older, you start becoming a little bit more confident, sure of yourself, a little more liberated, both mentally and sexually. You, you find a way to plant that seed. Um, and then, like, you know, I'm pretty sure we've all had our, our porn courses from Pinky to Jada Fire to, you know, Cinnamon to uh, who one of our first faces back in the day was America. Oh, my God. You know, guys, <laughs> yeah, girls like that. Um, but how I got into this had really had nothing to do with porn at all. I was on Twitter, and it was Betty Blaze. You know, her and I were talking about mental health awareness and autism. And we exchanged conversations back and forth, and she saw that I was in the Marines, and uh, her father had done time in the Marines, and she had said thank you for my service, and so forth, and we just exchanged exchange back and forth, just talking. And then, I guess about a week or two, or maybe in a month or so afterwards, um, Sheila Rain came across my profile, and her and I exchanged conversations, and then she was in my DM. Holy cow, the fuck, a porn star's in my DM. And she, we talked, you know, we talked to each other, you know, told each other a little bit about ourselves. Uh, and then she invited me out to a porn, a porn event. I believe that was going to be in Orlando or Atlanta at that moment. And I couldn't make that first one. I was getting ready to move back from Carolina to Louisiana. But then again, she said, well, I tell you what, I'll bring you in the right way. And she told me to meet her in Melbourne, Florida. And I was going to have a, my first scene with her and Christina Sapphire. And I tell you this much. Everyone wants to be a porn star or be in the porn business. Every guy does until the lights come on, until it's time to perform. You know, every, every guy says, oh, you know, I got slong hanging to the concrete so I know I can go in there and beat the box out. Well, women are not looking for that. You know, we're going to have a, you know, box beat out for 45 minutes to an hour. It's going there, be professional. You know, be courteous, be kind, do your job, and you know, put on a good show, perform. Right. And treat people with respect. Like it's just, a, it's, a, it's, uh, an, it's like another job. 
Yeah, I tell you this much. And people say, well, how does it go? How does it work? That night, I had one, two, three scenes to do. So, yes, that's three different, that's sex three times in one night. Yes. We started filming at about, I want to say, 6.30 that night. I didn't get a chance. To, we didn't, like, wrap up everything until 2 a.m. That's a long-ass day. It is. It is. And you know what I kept thinking about? When you, you know, back and forth, taking still frames, taking shots, you know, uh, you know, positioning sex, and then, you know, resetting and everything else. I'm thinking, damn, I'm burning calories. Like, I'm hungry. because my children are right next to a dentist. And I'm like, bro, when we get out there, I'm going to a dentist, man. Like, it's some of that vegetarian meal they had. So that, that's what my mind was. Man. I mean, I love performing. I love the performance. And I love both those ladies. Like, they gave me an opportunity, and anything they need, you know, they call me, I'm there. Actually, I just filmed a scene with Christina Sapphire about a month ago. This was back in July. And she's an amazing performer. One of the smartest women I've ever met before, too. I can believe that because I don't believe because 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 in essence, like you're an entrepreneur when you're doing that work, and I don't think I don't think you can be a stupid entrepreneur. Period. No, you can't, and that's a big misconception that people get about the industry, especially women industry, that these are just big-breasted sluts that you know do this because they have a drug addict support. No, that's not the case. No female that I have performed with has not had a degree or two underneath their name. None. I can believe it. I can believe you. I, um, I, I yes. I like like probably like if you would have asked me about a year and a half ago, I had a like a very limited knowledge about like sex work and stuff like that. And then I got introduced. Like I you know wind up meeting a couple, um, and just learning so much. You know, learning so much more about it. And I've you know I've interviewed them. You know, on the podcast. I've, you know, episodes that I've done. You know, about a year or so ago. And, be, you know, between that, you know, a year and a half ago up to now, like, my perception of it and what I, like, you know, know about is completely different. Now, one thing is, for sure, I never underestimated. Like, I was never one of those people that was like, oh, I could do that or, oh, you know, that's got to be easy. Like, when you were, you were you were talking about, you know, every man bleeds, he can get into it. Well, I could tell you right now, I wouldn't be one of those people because I don't think I could be, like, I don't think I could feel comfortable or whatever, you know what I'm saying, like, Knowing that a bunch of people are watching me, I'm a person who like gets stage fright over anything. You know what I'm saying? Over anything, which I think is hilarious because part of what I do for my work, I do a lot of public speaking engagements. And at the end, with the funny part about it is everybody talks about such, how I did such a good job, and you know how it was so great. You know, listening to me, and I think it's hilarious because I'm petrified the whole time. Like when I'm done, I feel like I like when I'm up there, I feel like I black out. I talk about, you know, what I'm passionate about, and then when it's done and over with, I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> right, right. And, right. and I've been doing this about a little over a year now, right? It's like, yes, I tend to make it a year. And even now, I go on set, and I still get a little nervous. It's like, you, 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 like playing sports, man, you practice all week. But on game night, you know, you still got the butterflies in your stomach from the time you're in the locker room to when you're coming through the tunnel to where you're, your cleats on the field. You're still a little nervous, am I right? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's just me. I mean, I still, because I, I wanted you get there, you're thinking, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm with this hot girl, 
you know, if I can perform on camera, do I, am I straight? Am I smelling good? Am I, am I worked out? Am I still sweaty? Am I, is my body right? You know, all these things go on your mind. You know, am I making her feel comfortable? Is this looking natural and organic? Because at the end of the day, you know, you want the product to be great for the fans. You understand? Right. Because in this entertainment business, it's kind of funny. In entertainment, no one's really going to care about you taking a day off. People on social media on media have this strange misconception that everything they say counts and matters. They will find reasons to critique you and things that they can't do. That's how it always is, ain't it? Uh, yeah, I understand that. Like, man, like <laughs> my man Andrew Luck, for some reason he said, hey, I'm hurt. I can't do this no more. My health is more important. And the internet went crazy. Man, let me tell you about that. Who, who are we to tell this man to, to, to dictate his health? Exactly. Let, let me tell you something about that. I've never been a fan of Andrew Luck, but I really appreciated him for doing that. And this is what, and for the very same reason, what you said, like, dude, your mental health and your personal health mean more than anything. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like it's known, you know, like I've said before, like I play semi-pro football. Like there's times where you don't want to do it, dude. Your body hurts. You know what I mean? You've gone through a lot and this dude dealt with injuries. You know what I'm saying? Like, serious injuries, like, four years in a row. Like, sometimes, like, you just can't take it. And the thing is, all those people that were criticizing him, like, this is the part that really, actually really eats me up. A, it's 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 ridiculous. He's not, he doesn't owe you anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, just because you buy a ticket or you turn your, 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 your TV to the channel every Sunday doesn't mean you own rights over anybody's livelihood. The second thing is... Most of those people who do all that complaining and do all that, you know, uh, uh, Monday morning, Monday morning quarterback and stuff like that, none of those people have the ability to do it they damn self. So I remember, you know, you know, what I'm saying I remember, you know, uh, hearing a in a I was at a restaurant one time and a guy was talking about uh, a cornerback for the Vikings and just kind of trashing them and. And I and I get it, like people like talk trash or whatever. Like I grew up in that environment. You, everybody talks trash. I'm with it. I do it too, mm-hmm. as long as it don't get personal. But he starts talking about the dude like personally, like his like his you know what I'm saying like his livelihood and stuff. And and that's when I stepped in, even though I didn't know him. I was like, first of all, I was like, dude, when's the last time you played? Let's like, what's the highest level of ball you played? Did you play in college? Well, oh no. Did you play in high school? Well, no, I said, so you don't even know what the hell you're talking about. I was like, as a defensive back, that's like the hardest position on the field. I said, you play the game going backwards 90% of the time where everybody else is going forwards. And you have about three and a half to four seconds to read and react to a play. That's not something that's easy to do. And it's like, you, you, you weren't even, you know what I'm saying? You didn't even have the opportunity. You weren't even good enough to play. So who are you to talk about somebody else? skill level when you, you know what I'm saying, like, you didn't have the skill level to get there yourself. And second of all, all this vile personal stuff you're saying, ask yourself, would you say it to his face if he was sitting right here? And usually that's when they get quiet. And so at the, that's that's just kind of my thing, man. You got these these people who think that they, they own you and think that they run the show and, and, and they take it above and beyond you know what I'm saying they go for it. but that that that's a whole bigger topic that I've talk, talked about on the episode before where I think in essence like sports especially as it returns to, uh, to, to black athletes is is, is is almost like a plantation system because this country was built upon white supremacy and stuff like that like 
especially, especially, you know what I'm saying, not to say that, you know what I'm saying, you know, black fans, some black fans don't talk and behave the same way, because they do, but a lot of white fans really get like that, because they have this sense of entitlement, like, they own you, it's like, I'm not your property, fam, like, I do this for me, I do this for my family. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that, that's just, and that, that's the one thing that, I, you know, I love sports, my family is a bunch of athletes, I'm an athlete, but that's one thing that I don't like about sports. Um, and, and, and one day when I have children, it's not that I'm going to keep them from it, but that's always going to be something that sits in the back of my mind. Like I'm going to have to have that conversation with them. Like there's going to be some crazy people out there. That's going to say some flagrant to you, especially if you get to the point where you're prominent, you're good or something like that. And you got to be able, how are you going to handle that? You got to be able to handle that mentally, emotionally, because people get out of hand. They do, they do, and you know, uh, coming into the entertainment business, I'm now understanding what they mean by trolls. <laughs> Never really understood the terminology of trolls until recently. I've been trolled uh, at least two or three times so far, and the first one, as ironic as this, you know, not ironic, but it's actually sad. I remember, uh, I remember the, the shooting that happened in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, in synagogue and Pentagon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, 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 I do. So I, I was having a conversation. I had responded to a tweet and uh, with WWE announcer Corey Graves, and I'm a huge wrestling fan, and he responded back. I said, well, it's a sad that, you know, this happened, that anyone get their hands on these assault rights. And he responded with, you're right, you know, as a nation, we need to be mindful of who has hands on weapons. Simple as that. Some dude, and I had to say this, always a redneck, you know. Always. Chimes in and responds with telling me, how dare you call yourself a Marine because an AR, blah, 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 is not an assault rifle. And, you know, I got hundreds of guns, and I was like, and I was fine. Well, first of all, yes, the hell it is an assault rifle. You know, I can tell you the nomenclature, the, the rounds per second, the distance, the maximum up to range, et cetera. And... Uh, and I, I, I responded to that, and I kept it at that because I'm like, I'm not going to entertain some dude who hasn't been in the service. The only thing he's probably done was been in and gone to the Salvation Army, right? Cause, and then that's right, the part that I was looking for. So, so what? That's the part that really kills me. Most of the people you see out there, are these, you know, what I'm saying, most of these, you know, what I'm saying, gun nuts stockpiling you know, ridiculous amounts of weapons and not willing to release their weapons, talking about they're willing to go to battle, none of them have ever served. And I'm like, if you really want to get down and dirty like that, why don't you enlist? The numbers of da- the numbers for people enlisting in the military have been down these, you know, last several years anyway. Why don't you enlist? Instead of getting together with your, I, I like to call them dudes uh, fake G.I. Joes. They get together with their buddies in the woods, you know what I'm saying, shooting up, you know, uh, 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 trees and targets and stuff like that and think they tough but they don't really want the smoke though because you never see them cats around tough neighborhoods where other people are packing and doing you know what I'm saying and can defend themselves or shoot back and you never see them right. people like actually actually uh, 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 enlisting because I'm one of those people I, I'm more practical about gun control alright I don't believe that we should have a bunch of assault rifles but I'm also not a person that believes that there shouldn't be any handguns or whatever. And, and the reason is because, realistically speaking, I've grown up in neighborhoods where if you came to these neighborhoods, I would tell you, you better be strapped up. I'm just being real. And I feel like most of the people who are completely against them, 
you have had the privilege of growing up in a safer environment. And, and a lot of people out here, we don't don't have that privilege to grow up in super safe environments. And so, but but and, 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 the, and, and the ironic thing about it is people who have actually served in the military and had to take somebody's life because it was their job or had to defend their own life or people who have grown up in neighborhoods and had to defend themselves. Those are never the people you hear complaining about. Wanting to have more weapons or fighting against background checks and stuff like that because they know what it's really like. It's always the posers. It's always the fake folks. It's always the people, you know, uh, who are always, uh, you know, like in, in reference to them, they mean like the uh, uh, the Colin Kaepernick protest, right? It's always those is like, it's about the troops who never served. And when they see a homeless vet on the street, they tell them to get a job or they call him a bum. They don't do anything for them. It's always those fake folks that got extra to say. You know what, you're right, and I can, I'm going to not say on a tangent, but I can say a few things here, man. Uh, one, I've been a homeless veteran, so I am having to struggle for meals and, you know, find a place to stay because there's no vacancies anywhere, you know, they want to do a background and credit check and every damn thing else. And right. Going from hotel rooms to cars with my family. I, I've been there before. Right. Um, first off, when it comes to, you know, the, the gun law, there are 25, you know, ratified amendments in the U.S. Constitution. The first ten make of the Bill of Rights. For some reason, America has this sex obsession and want to masturbate to the Second Amendment to carry around guns. If you get everything else, exactly. Button gun. It's just the guns. But I'm not saying, you know, hey, take away all the guns. I'm saying I don't want my neighbor who has, you know, mental illness and has a history of violent outbursts walking around with the weapon like that. Exactly. But to me... That's not even rocket science. That's common sense. If the United States military, there's probably a damn base in every state. I know know there is. There's a base in every state. If they really wanted to mobilize on us, we couldn't do anything with those AR-15s. If they they would say, if if the congressman or the president would come out and say, hey, you know, it's Friday at 3.30 by Sunday, we're going to go across each state, each city, and, you know, take your weapons and sodomize you with a pineapple, then damn thing we can do about it. No, because whatever weapons we have, yeah, but because whatever weapons we have, they have more powerful ones. So this whole like notion about what people don't realize, especially when they look at the Constitution, is it's not a living document. When the Constitution was written back then, the 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 the, the people who wrote the Constitution had no idea, had no foresight as to and and how things would evolve. You know what I mean? And so that's part of the issue. The other part of the issue is the people who constantly do that usually like hypocrites, right? To pick yourself up by the bootstraps type when the, when, when there when there's when there's no such thing as being able to do so. When everybody here has help had help at some point in their life. When even the people who wrote the constitution and talked about picking yourself up by the bootstraps, a lot of them were slave owners. You know what I mean? Nobody's done it by themselves. But that's a whole another topic. Like you said, that's a whole different type of tangent we can get into. And I also had to put this out of that I don't care what they tell you in the history books. The Constitution was not meant for women or minorities. No, it was not. It was meant for for, for white men. And anybody who 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 has a critical who has any bit of critical thinking skills could tell you that. My, my degree is in history and political science. 
I've known that forever, and I'm always trying to, you know what I'm saying, like, give people the context in that. But the, but, the, but the truth of the matter is, the people that you usually have to fight and debate with about that are people who are willfully ignorant anyway. They know the truth. They just want to do it. So it's almost worthless or a waste of time to even try to have that conversation with them. It truly is, man. It, it truly is. And like I said, that, that, that's the first time, you know, I, I was trolled. It was on something like that. Um, and I recently got trolled again on one of my sites. Uh, I think it was on Pornhub I was trolled. Uh, Crazy. Yeah, it, it was some dude, he saw one of my videos, watched it fully, and then made a comment on my body part. I'm thinking to myself, it was kind of funny what he said. You know, but I, I'm not sure if it was insulting or he was making a joke. It was funny, but I'm thinking I'm here in, in this video with a beautiful Steeler Rain, and he watched that whole video, and the only comment he can make is about my body part, my penis. Oh, okay, <laughs> like where did that come from? Haters gonna hate. <laughs> I don't know if it was hate or he he hasn't came out the closet yet. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that whole video, the only thing you can comment on is me. This beautiful woman right here, and you okay, bro? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> That's how it goes. So, so outside of the trolls that you're that you're now starting to get familiar with, what are some of the other struggles uh, that you face in the work that you do? Uh, you know, in the industry, man, you gotta build a name for yourself. You know, because again, you, you gotta build a name, a reputation, and so far, I think, you know. My reputation is that I'm the nice guy. I'm the one that posts the motivation stuff. I'm the, I'm the positive points. I'm not even going to say points stuff, but I'm just, I'm positive. I'm always helping God. I'm always t- telling people, hey, you know, trouble don't last always, but things get better. Um, those are some of the struggles. Um, how can I, what's the other word? Making sure that you are a good performer. Don't show up to work with broken equipment. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you show up to set and you ain't with it, you know, I don't know what to tell you about this because now you waste that female's talent's time. Now you waste that cameraman's time. You waste that producer's time. And it's like, what the heck? You know, we could have, you know, been here, did our thing, made our money and go home. And now we got to look for you to get stuff together. Or we could have pulled somebody else in to do that. Um, so, yeah, that, that I can say that much. That's some of the struggles. Um, also, people may say, well, how do you get in this industry? Blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, this is a business. You know what I mean? If I want to hire a model, I can't expect her time to be free. Right. You understand what I'm saying? People with the mindset, oh, you paying for those. No, I'm not. I'm paying for somebody's time. I'm paying for somebody to, I'm hiring somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Now, she, he or she may have the right to say, okay, yeah, I want to work or no, I don't want to work. But people with that mindset do not understand business. It takes money to make Nobody money. Shows up anywhere. Nobody shows up anywhere and works for free. Nobody. Yeah, it takes money to make money. Uh, a, a, a business person will tell you that. An entrepreneur will tell you that. You so know, when you see people building brands and so forth, it, it's going to cost, man. You know, uh, yeah, whether you gotta, you brand your name with the logo, own your own URL, etc. That stuff costs. Yeah, I just had to do a lot of that stuff myself. And, uh, <laughs> sitting back and I'm learning and I'm watching I'm sitting at the learning tree I've, I've linked up and I work with some amazing people um, Ludlitz I've worked closely with them for the past year I speak with one of the owners like Bailey she's you know one of the nicest people in the world both of them actually pretty nice it's a company owned and ran by women out of Florida so 
So they're doing their thing, and those are some people that you got to be on the lookout for because I want to see some big things coming from them. Guaranteed. I can dig it. What are some of the uh, – are there any preconceived notions that you had coming into the industry that have been proven or disproven since you started working? I've never experimented with either of those myself. I can dig it. I can dig there it. There are some people that, that I've been in talks with that have been, you know, I've shared emails with and DMs with that I'm in the in the in negotiations I'm working with that when I do, man, it's gonna it's I think we're gonna break the internet when when we do hook up. That's what's up, man. So so with knowing so with so let me ask you this. We're talking about some of the positive experiences and stuff like that, but also some of these like negative pitfalls you run into. Is this a is this a, a career that you see yourself being into for a long time, or is it just something that you kind of wanted to do for now, and you just you just kind of riding with the wave for now? This is something I can see myself sticking around with for a while because you don't always have to be in front of the camera. You know, actually, you know, sometimes being creative behind the camera can draw you more, you know, erotic and draw you more money because you always have new ideas. You can always be that coach on the side telling a young talent, well, hey, this is what you do. You know, this is how you sell this facial expression. This is how you sell this facial expression. Little nuances here and there that somebody coming in may not know or be aware of that they can grab hold to. I can dig it. So I got um, so I've I, I, I've learned from you know guys like Pussy Bandit and King VP and 
you know, the guys that, that learn throat wars, man, like I sit and I listen and I learn from the things they do and from the things they told me. Um, and of course, you watch porn, you know, us, you know, black kids coming up, we've seen guys like, you know, Francis Shua, you know, uh, Brian Pumper, Rico Strong, Mr. Marcus, et cetera, Alexis and Steel, Shawn Michaels, all those guys. And then you're like, okay, you know, okay, this is what they do. This is how they do this and that. Right. And then also you gotta you, you gotta find your own niche as well. Don't be afraid to be yourself and be amplified and crank that joke up just a little bit, and so you can be comfortable, still be comfortable, and it looks organic on camera. Word, I feel you. I feel you. It, it's it's in in essence, it's just like like a, once again, it's kind of like any other job, really. Like especially when you're an entrepreneur, you find what what what, what sets your product. Um, out from the rest, and that's what you try to capitalize on and market. Right. Now, I- I'll tell you this much. What is strange is then, like, the strange things is um, with this industry, and I-, I didn't think it was going to happen, but it started happening. Um, I remember on my first night on set, he said, you know, after this, be prepared. Somebody somewhere is going to recognize you. He said, a celebrity is probably going to come across your point up page and watch you. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, all right, it's not going to happen, man. I'm just, you know, little old me from deep southwest Louisiana. Until about a, two months ago, man, um, one of the guys I went to high school with pulled me up on Pornhub. And just that day, he had pulled me up. The one of the owners of Lou Lips had screenshot him. He's like, hey, you're on the front cover of Pornhub. I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, I like, what the hell am I doing? I watching uh, Dragon Ball Z or something, man. I don't know. <laughs> and I checked Pornhub and so and behold, I was on the front cover of Pornhub with Sheila Wright. And one of the brothers of the high school, man, he screenshotted me nothing. He was like, hey, fool, is this you? And I couldn't deny and say it wasn't me, but <laughs> he had it. And then, so how did you <laughs> handle that, though? I, it was, it, it's strange because people look at me and still tell the kid with glasses that was an intern for the news station, ROTC, and then Straight Lace Marine, and then when they see and hear that you do this, it's like, whoa. Him, he didn't just jump off the porch. He was front flip off the porch. You know what I mean? And uh, some dudes, when they hear that they want to dap you up, and then it goes to you know, man, how can I get in? Because I'm not gonna be banging and slanging and stuff like that. And then when you tell them everything that goes into it, it's like ah, I don't know about all that. You know what I mean? Because there's actual um, work that goes into it. Yeah, the porn work and sex work is work. I don't care what nobody tells you. I agree. No I- one's gonna promote you like you promote yourself. I agree. Like I said, I learned a great deal the past year and a half, and and that's something that and and ultimately, like it's a type of work. Sex work has been around since damn near the beginning of the time, dude. So it's like, as you know, as as soon as every right, as soon as everybody kind of gets off that that moral high horse and just admits that and just accepts it for what it is, you know what I mean? Like things will just be fine. You're right, you're right, well, because I said this, what they're trying to do is to tax someone's body and tell them what they can and can do, cannot do with their body is another form of enslavement or indentured servitude. Well, that's exactly what it is, and this is what I find interesting about it, too, because I've made the, I've, I've uh, had this conversation before, too. Um, when I was, somebody looked at me sideways, um, and I don't even know how, to, you know, sex work came up in conversation some months back, but then they kind of looked at me sideways when I was just like, that I didn't have any problem with it, that I had, you know, 
over you know doing since doing a podcast i'd met several people who you know saying who are who, who are sex workers and i learned a great deal about it and i just it didn't bother me i didn't see anything wrong with it and you know they kind of looked at me sideways i said think about this well, i said so you mean to tell me um that it's okay nobody has a problem with uh um put you know monopolizing you know sex or the way women's bodies are portrayed as long as everybody else is making money off of it but the moment they take control of their own bodies and say that we want a hundred percent of the proceeds of how our bodies uh, uh, are, are depicted now all of a sudden it's a it's a moral issue you it can't be it can't be you, you know what I'm saying two different ways it's either it's either okay for them to make money off of off of themselves just like everybody else does or it's not okay across the board but you can't you can't do that. And so when you usually, when you drop that a little bit and you point out the hypocrisy in that, you know what I'm saying? Like generally you get, you either get the quiet response or you get the, you see that look on somebody's face where they're like, man, you kind of got me. The ones who continue to try to argue it, like I said, you know, those are the type of people who are being willfully ignorant and you just shrug it off and go your own way. Right, right. I mean... It's all about control. We know what that's about. It's just all about control, yeah, like, like you were saying. I want to say because house weight. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And it, yeah, and you know, <laughs> but the sex industry and the porn industry is a billion dollar industry. So clearly and there ain't that. So clearly that's not that too many uh, morally sound people, like, quote unquote, and I say this facetiously, morally sound people out there, then is it? No, I'm not surprised at all. Trust me. Every time you uh, you always see on the news every other week, every couple of weeks, those who are the most against it usually get caught up in it and are resigning some type of job or post or whatever because they've been found to be the most ardent, you know what I'm saying, like uh, uh, subscribers or or consumers of it. So I, trust me, dude, I'm just not surprised. For what reason? Why would you resign? And some of these trustworthy jobs... A man, a man or a woman deserves to blow one off to a point or two. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think of, first of all, any time you're in a position to where you're a mayor, governor, senator, president, whatever, and you have to continuously day in and day out deal with the American public, you deserve one. <laughs> I mean, I don't think people realize how hard it is to appease an American. I mean, you, you, the average man can walk away from damn Burger King, McDonald's, or with some cold fries, it's going to be a bad day. Hell, about two weeks ago, half of America had a heart attack when Popeye's ran out of them damn, you know, chicken sandwiches, which I never even ate one yet, and I don't plan to, but still. Do, do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I see exactly what you're saying. I see exactly what you're saying, trust me. So let me and ask... I don't believe porn is, is destroying marriages at all. They got some people, it's destroying marriages. And hell no. If the person was unfaithful just because of a porn, they were never faithful to you in the first place. Nah, and I had this type of conversation uh, in an episode I did a, a year ago too. I don't believe that that's the case either. I think that there were already issues 
issues going on um, um, with their marriage beforehand. So that's that's null and void. Like I said, that's just people just kind of throwing up anything for the sake of argument. So 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 let me ask you this, because um, I'm interested to see what your what your response to this question be, is. So it's a two part question. It's a is if you know if you're you're politically engaged, and if you are, do you see it? Do you see it reflected much uh, in the industry? Yes. Sometimes on the fact those are conversations you avoid as politics. <laughs> uh, uh, there is a particular at Calvin out there, I'm not gonna call her name. But on her Twitter bio she is a conservative Christian porn star. I don't see how that works at all. <laughs> yeah, hey. But you know what? She develops a following and she has followers. Now, for all I know, this could be a ploy to get followers that would think that way. And if she's portraying that, she's damn good at it. Wow. You, you do have those that feel that way. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, it's this, this industry, this industry is a motley crew of people of all, you know, different walks of life, different backgrounds, and it's beautiful. And I know, and I think, and I think logically, I think logically, I know that and I understand it. It's just still hard to believe sometimes for me, like almost like a black Republican, right? It's like, uh, I just saw in the news the other day, the guy who Donald Trump pointed out as being his, uh, his African American, if you remember that from like two years ago or whatnot. And a dude finally said, uh, that he is, uh, uh, stepping away from the Republican Party because he's starting to see that the Republican Party has a has a, uh, a, a a white supremacist agenda. I'm like, bruh, where you been at? That's how it's always been. Like, where have you been at? You just now seeing that? <laughs> Bringing the water, but you can't make them drink. And, and I don't really believe any political party has anybody's best interest in mind 100. percent no, not at all. But but it, when it comes to that, I, I believe that there's there's definitely some there's definitely uh, uh, some validity when you hear some people make comments to say that both Repubs and Dems are just two sides of the same coin. I think one is just more blatant than the other. I definitely believe that there is some validity to that type of statement. But I think as far as like outward. Outward discrimination, out you know, outward display of you know vicious or harmful policies that go against the poor and people of color um, and predominantly African Americans. The Republican Party definitely takes the cake, in my opinion. They become yeah, you're right, and some people have become a, a bit more bold as a, as to the things they say uh, as of late when it comes to situations like that. Man, uh, I understand about the First Amendment, but geez, you know. Uh, that first women it won't uh, keep you from getting your ass whooped though in the right situation. <laughs> this is correct. I mean, I, I've always been told people have the right to do and say what they want as long as they're willing to accept the consequences behind it. Now, it's just awesome advocating about No, he is not. I'm just saying that uh, you can't. You, you, what you tell me, you know, may not fly well with somebody else. Exactly, a natural I consequence. Kids, I can walk away from like, you know, hey man, whatever. Right, a natural consequence is a natural consequence. Period. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that that you definitely see some of that in the industry. You know, we tend to stay away from that on sex. Uh, people like in the day still have their own beliefs, regardless of what they do for a living. Right, right, and like I said, logically speaking, 
I know that that's the case. Like I know it's you know these things aren't monolithic, but I was just wondering if it's because you have to perform with each other. Is that something that like comes up? Because like you know in different types of uh, different types of jobs or different type of settings, some settings are just more conducive to to have a type of conversation about co- politics or something like that. Like if you work, like if you work in government or something like that. But in other other situations where, like jobs, like like you said, with yours, where you gotta have some type of chemistry. I was wondering if that was something that came up very much, because it can it can destroy it. The conversation we can have an adult conversation and just to get a feel for each other, you know, then we can do that. Um, every person I'm going to work with, or like to work with, I send them a DM or we email each other, and it, it happens for a while that way I can, we can get to know one another. And sometimes it moves to, moves to phone conversations to where they would, you know, text good morning, hey, I'm at the gym, hey, I'm in class, oh, good day, et cetera. That way, you know, we can build a rapport with one another, and once we get on camera, that chemistry looks organic. Right. I think that's important to this type of, this type of work um, because, you know, when you watch porn, you can tell if, the, if they into it or not when they're being theatrical. Right, right. I want all the girls I work with, you know, to be comfortable. Like, hey, you know, like Jess was a complete gentleman. I was comfortable with them. You know, he was good. And, hey, he would take my feet afterwards. <laughs> um, but I, I'll tell you this much. I had more of those conversations when I was in the military than, uh, you know, when I did the porn industry. You know, you, and once you're in the uh, military, you, in a sense, you get your First Amendment taken away from you because you're not allowed to comment on anything political. Uh, and I joined during times of war, so you can imagine, you know, anytime you would step out in town or step somewhere, there was a camera crew in your face. But within the, within the house, like there was a in-house conversations, you would hear, you know, what a particular service member agrees or disagrees with. And I served underneath the Bush administration and the Obama administration, and I haven't seen two sides to a coin of both heads of the dragon. Right. I can dig it. That's interesting. That's an interesting take. That's an interesting take. Well, you know, and sometimes, man, you know, as my, you know, they would say down south, it is, you know, what it is. It is what it is, yeah. Uh, You know, I don't think that, trying to find the right way to put it, that way, like I said, later on today, next week, tomorrow, I'm not getting drunk with Twitter, not that I would give a damn, but, <laughs> you know, potentially, our previous president is what Americans aspire to be and what the world thinks Americans should be, and this current president is what America is. It's exactly what it is. I had that, I had the, I, I said that before, too. Not, not in your, not in your words, but I said it from the standpoint of, um, I've heard people say that Donald Trump's the problem. I was like, Donald Trump isn't the problem. Donald Trump is a symptom. He's the representative of America. He wouldn't have got there if America wasn't always already this way. That is about the only thing you've that I would have ever, quote unquote, defended him from, or if that's what you want to call it. I refuse to accept the to accept the explanation that he is the cause of what's going on or he's what's wrong with this country. No. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. This country he Absolutely just not. He just showed that this is what the country actually is. This is this has always been here. He's just made it cool to, to be, or not cool, but he's just made it okay for the rest of them to show their tail out in public and show that this is how they but really you know feel, what? how they really believe. I said this much. I said, he's what, 70-something years old? He's in his 70s. I said, a lot of men and women his age, be it black or white, had that mindset of what it was back in the day that they haven't changed from. 
Well, there's a lot of, you know, the, the there's a common misconception that it's the older generation. People are tripping. They are forgetting. Yo, a lot of those Tiki Torch uh, uh, cats was in their 20s and 30s. It's not just the older generation. So if you think that, you know, this racism or this type of, you know, a right-wing activism or white supremacy is going to die out with the dying of baby boomers and the older generation, you're a fool. And you're about to be uh, unpleasantly surprised. Because... Those type of people breed young people the same way. Yeah, they have rights to do like anybody else. I, I totally agree. I, excuse me, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell and you, that's something else. People, people forget that people don't think that because you're in this industry, you don't have an opinion, or you know, you're just completely void of any other knowledge that you see cornered around you. Yeah, well, 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 trust me. I've I've worked with a lot of people in some so-called uh, okay industries or okay fields of work who aren't very smart. So I wouldn't worry about them, folks. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about anybody else's perception, bro. Most definitely. And this, one, I made a video a couple of days ago. I think uh, you responded to it that to succeed, you gotta have a I don't give a damn what anybody thinks of me type of attitude. You gotta be comfortable with your own skin. And I say it, like, when you become fearless is when your life is going to become limitless. You know, uh, sometimes, like my therapist was saying, man, you just got to say, fuck it. And that's something else I think is uh, we should have, not only in this industry, but also in any kind of field, access to mental health. Oh, that's everywhere. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with going on the couch talking to somebody. As a man, as a black man, I, I, you know... Avoided it for years when they come and have PTSD. I'm like, okay, well, it's fine. I'll do it myself. I go to the gym or I just sit and, you know, keep quiet for a day or two and just shrug it off. But there's nothing wrong with going and ask for help. Right, because, and that's because culturally we're taught to A, fear the system and institutions, and B, especially if you come from a more a more of a, a very religious background in our in our culture, it's always pray about it. You know what I'm saying? It's, they're always telling you to just pray about it. But sometimes you do need that extra assistance. You do need that extra help. And there's nothing wrong with it. You know, we, we where there needs to be more of a push to destigmatize uh, mental health issues. Um, and I think that we're starting to turn the corner with that, but we need to do better. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that looks here in the future. Um, but as always, my thing is with this country, I feel like nothing becomes important until it affects uh, wealthy white people. Um, once you see it become something that affects wealthier white people, then you'll start to see them put money and resources towards it. So uh, the, 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 the telltale sign for how, how uh, well we address uh, mental health issues is how is, 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 is wealthy, the, the wealthier side of America doing with it. If they're doing better with it, or if they're doing worse with it, then we'll start to see more resources with it. If it's not bothering them so much, then they'll continue to disregard it for everybody else. You have a valid point. I mean, it's just, you know, I, and for people who don't like to hear me say that, I don't even have to, you know, history history says it for me. Open up a book. Look back in the past. Any type of major epidemic that hit this country, it didn't become, it, it wasn't even considered an epidemic until it hit upper middle class or wealthy white America. When it was just bothering poor people or people of color, nobody cared. And so until these things change, until we start dismantling, you know, white supremacist structures or whatever, that is forever to me going to be the litmus test of how well this country 
uh, addresses issues or how much they prioritize them? I don't know. You can tell right now here without one. And it's sad because so many people think they're affected by it, but they're not getting that light bulb because, well, basically, those are the control scenes, those are not their problem. I, you, and there you have it. So, like I said, <laughs> I think we have our natural, our natural litmus test, and um, it's just, it's just, it's sad, really, but it's, it's the state of the nation, man. I think. The last, I actually think the last, since Obama's second administration on, we've really, America's really started to take the mask off. Um, and we started to really see, they really started to show what it is underneath. Because that's when we started seeing a lot of the, I mean, not that Obama didn't see some vehement, uh, vehement racism in his first term and deal, deal with some crazy stuff from uh, some of his, you know, uh, uh, his Republican colleagues and, and some of the, you know, uh, conservative people in the country. But as far as the t- type of policies that have been passed, the type of outward, uh, vitriol and stuff that he faced, and even now, now that he's gone, the stuff that we're seeing at the hands of his current president and administration and stuff like that, you know, I think in a way, in a in a twisted way, it's actually been a good thing because because everything is just out for plain to see. Like nobody can deny it anymore. Now, if you listen, if you watch Fox News, they'll still try to deny it. But everything just is what it is. People with any type of common sense can now just kind of say there's no more denying it. Now, whether or not you want to address it or not, or you see anything wrong with it or not, is one thing. But there's no more denying it. It's out. It's it's plain as day. Yeah, and yeah, but. The truth hurts, and people normally don't want to deal with things that hurt. So it's right in your face, but still, one of those things. So well, yeah, I see it, but I'm gonna kind of turn away, so I'm not looking directly at it. Yeah, put the head in the sand. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, well, I have a question for you, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Okay, so you hear me? You know, we we had banter back and forth on Twitter, and obviously, you see the kind of work I do. Has there, any, has there been any two stars or two people in this industry like, you know what, I would like to see those two work together? I can't say I have, man, because it, it just hasn't been something that I, like, thought about. It hasn't been, like, I have not wanted to perform myself, like I said, because I'm, like, I'm not the type of person, I'm a, I'm a you know what I'm saying, like, stage fright type of cat, and I just haven't, it's, it's not been something that I, it, like, have really consumed. Um, not that I see anything wrong with it. Don't have an issue with it. As far as I'm concerned, get your money, keep doing your thing. I suppose if I actually started paying attention to it and watching it or whatever myself, then I probably would quite naturally. I would probably come up or think of somebody or whatever that I'll be like, Oh, I want to see this or I want to see that. But it hasn't been anything that I could, that I've consumed to even be able to develop that type of, uh, the type of, um, you know, opinion on. But, you know, who knows, man? Who knows? Maybe I might have to start watching or something like that. <laughs> a lot of these performers, man, they have, you know, genius marketing abilities and business outside this industry. Be it their own clothing line, designing T-shirts, doing uh, artwork, or, you know, some of them stick to their natural roots, man, and that they come from the South, but live on the West Coast, and have their own lawn care services they like to do, which, honestly, that that's, to me... 
that's pretty genius. I think you can't go wrong when you have a lawn care service. <laughs> nah, that's always yeah. something that you're gonna need. <laughs> Nah, like I said, but but like I said, I gotta be real about it. Like, I think that I don't necessarily, I don't have the misconception about it. Has a great deal to do with all the people that I've met and the friends that I've developed and people that have been open enough to talk to me about it the past year and a half. Because I I had very limited knowledge about it, and I and to a point I think I did have some misconceptions. But you know what I'm saying meeting them and talking to them, it squashed all of that. And I kind of look at it as like it's a job like any other. So I mean I got to be real about that. Like had it not been for the past year and a half, you know the learning that that has taken place and the and the and the cool people that I've met, you know that I've interviewed on the podcast before, that would not have been 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 the case. And I got to say you know thank you to them for just opening up and being free enough and open enough to have that conversation and share about themselves and what they do, why they do it and stuff like that. And it's because of that, that I'm like, ah, you know what I'm saying? It's no big deal. It's not a problem with it. Like I don't have an issue with it at all. I don't have any misconceptions about it. Anytime I've heard anybody say anything, you know, that I feel like is disparaging about it. I've spoken up to say something about it because in essence, that's what an ally is. You don't just sit back and let somebody, you know, degrade or, or disparage uh, somebody or anything else or a profession or whatnot. And it's just, it's, it, it is what it is, like I said, man. And like I said, as a person who has a degree in history and stuff like that, realistically and logically, I could tell you, like, and it, and that's why I think it's, it's, it's in a way, I think it's crazy that I even had any misconceptions about it years ago or whatnot. And I think that those were developed just because how society paints the picture about it. Right. In the history books, you've known we've known that it's been around for centuries. Like, so it's, what does that tell you? If it's been around for centuries like that, then clearly there's a market for it, and it's been and it and it was and it and it was and it's been seen as something that's been okay. You know what I mean? It's it's when we start to let other people think for us and speak for us um, that we start to develop a lot of these uh, silly mainstream uh, ideals about things. But once you start really thinking for yourself and looking at looking at the root of where some of these uh, misconceptions or whatever come from, you kind of steer away from that. Because, like I said, I find it very, uh, very, you know, you know, very funny or very interesting how most of the people who are ardently against it are people who are some of the biggest consumers. Once you start to think like that and kind of peel back the layers and open your mind from that from that standpoint. You kind of you you are able to think for yourself and be like, well, why do I got an issue with it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sitting here listening to these folks and they sitting there indulging in it. And I've said before, in any walk of life, I've learned this about any walk of life. Most of the time, other individuals will always try to place a standard upon you. They'll put a standard upon you, right? And it's about control. They put a standard upon you because they want to feel comfortable. And most of the time, the standard that they place upon you is something that they cannot live up to themselves. And think about how that sounds. There are, yeah, of course. You know, that, that I'm going to you know, beat you down mentally to a particular standard that you know, I can't reach. But if I make you feel that you can't reach it, then you know, I've got that you know, control superiority over you. Exactly. You understand that's a mental bully. Yep. And and being that I'm someone who likes to think for themselves, um, 
and kind of explore and and really develop my own opinions, I kind of just stopped letting that sort of thing like rule me. You know what I mean? Like I've always kind of been a more of an individualistic type of a person and kind of done my own thing. But I've really started to, but even, even though I was a person who, 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 you know, always kind of walked my own path and did my own thing, there were still parts about me that I think were conditioned to have some of those, you know, more mainstream ideas as any of us would. We're exposed to it every day through, me, you know, media and, you know, through family, friends, you know, public, you know, each and every day you wake up, you're being inundated with information um, from somewhere else. But the more intelligent you become uh, and the more you are of willing to kind of like really like poke at that information that you're being inundated with and, t- and talk about and think about where it comes from and what the true agenda is, the better off you are, the better off you are, the more you can kind of begin to filter off what information you willfully take in and is good for you and what information that you kind of filter out because it's not good for you. I always say you got to be careful if you die, not just what you ingest physically, but mentally and spiritually as well. Oh, 100%. I've said that before in front of my videos. <laughs> be careful if you die. And per- it, 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 100% right, man. 100% right. I tell you what, bro, I want to say, you know, we're about to wrap up here, but I want to just let you know how much I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, you didn't have to do that. Oh, um, as always, I'd like to thank anybody who has opened themselves up to come onto the show and share about themselves, what they do, uh, their life. Um, and once again, you've kind of peeled back another layer about uh, sex work for me and, um, you know, show me from a different perspective, man. It, it, it's funny because when I started this podcast, like I said, it's always been about learning and getting into different things. Um, but this is probably like maybe like my third or fourth show like I've done with like a sex worker, which I which is surprising to me because it's not something that I would have foresaw when I began it. But I definitely uh, I'm kind of appreciative of it, you know, not kind of, but I am appreciative of it because, like I said, since the beginning, it's really changed the way that, that I've thought about things and um. I'm always into, into learning something new, man. So appreciate you coming on. Um, is there any last comments you have? Uh, you want to tell people how to get a hold of you, find you, anything like that? Uh, yeah, man. Um, first off, man, well, just I want to thank you for having me on and you know giving this big-headed kid from deep southwest of Louisiana a chance to be heard. And I know by looking at me, I have a face on the physical love, but <laughs> thank you for giving me another platform, man. Um, Houseways, you can find me at Jeff Awesome Triple X on Twitter. My Instagram is Jeff Awesome Six. Um, again, shout out to those that gave me a start in this industry, be it with Sila Rain, Christina Sapphire, Team VP, Lou Lips, F L E W L I P E S, is on the up and coming. Um, people that I uh, that I would suggest you reach out to if you want to get some women's perspective. You know, I, those talents names I just named. You got Rebel Rider. You got uh, uh, Anastasia Rose. Oh my gosh, she's so so damn pretty, so nice. You know, I haven't worked with her yet, but people keep DMing me to work with her, and it's just been a scheduling conflict. But we're going to get it. Miss <laughs> um, uh, Kendra Hart. You know, somebody that I would suggest you reach out to. Uh, those ladies, man, um, really heavy hitters in this industry. And you know, won't mind taking the time out to speak with you. Um, but yeah, those, that's how I can be reached, man. And I'm not just one dimensional to work. I can only speak about sex work. You reach out to me and we can talk about anything. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think you displayed that today, you know what I mean? Because the whole, the, you know, that's not the only thing we focused on today, man. I just, like I said, I appreciate it when I asked you to come on. You know, it's because you had a, a, a broader ranging perspective that I appreciate it. And I just thought you would be a, a cool cat to have on, man. So definitely thanks for, uh, 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 you know, giving up some of your time in the day on this Friday um, to kind of come on and rap with me, bro. And we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, man, like, I, I think tonight I'm going to mess around on my computer and my laptop and do some design work. we got the motivational t-shirt coming out pretty soon. So uh, that way, if you don't catch me during the day, you can always look at a shirt I made and, like, you know what? That seems over you. Let's get this day started. <laughs> That's what's up, man. So y'all heard it. Y'all got it here today. This has been Chill Time is Will Time. Once again, you know who it is. Will, your, your host, William Moore. We just had uh, Cat Jess, Jess Awesome on here, you know, blessing us on the mic. And, uh... As always, any of my listeners out there, leave us a comment on whatever you know on whatever platform you listen to us on. Um, you can also find us on every platform there. You know, essentially there is out there that you want to listen to podcasts. If you have any questions, anything like that, hit me up at chilltimepod at gmail and I'll try to answer them as swiftly as possible. You got any guests who out there? Any other topics that you think we need to talk about on the podcast? Please get at me. Let me know about that. With that, I hope you guys have an awesome weekend, and we out.